You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 10 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm so excited to bring you a conversation with Nicole Taylor. I met her at a women's event that I had the honor of speaking at at my church um, called True Charlotte. And Nicole is an award-winning journalist turned visionary nonprofit leader. She has worked in international orphan care and um, she is a foster parent. She's the executive director of Congregations for Kids, which she'll tell you all about. Um, So Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. I'm so excited. And as we get started, I was wondering if you could share with us how you came to know the Lord. Oh gosh, yes. I was um, 11 years old and I was at a Dawson McAllister retreat. You're probably too young to know what that is, but um, it was, you know, it was one of those, you know, I don't even know how they would describe themselves now, but kind of a youth revival, you know, youth group, went there with my youth group. And I grew up in a home, um, in a Christian home. So It wasn't like I stumbled upon this. This was sort of always a part of my life, going to church. And, um, but I really, I really had made that intentional decision when I was 11 years old. And, um, and yeah, and it's just, you know, me and the Lord have just been journeying together since then. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I love that. I just, I always start with that question because I love hearing, you know, it's always so different how God meets people for the first time. And I don't know, it's fun to hear. Um, so as you grew up, then you became a journalist. So as we kind of dive into your story, what was that like? How do you feel like God led you to that and then led you out of it, if I'm correct? Yeah, I think I'll I'll kind of back up for, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit because I feel like what I, the perspective I have now at almost 42 years old and sort of looking back, I'm like, oh, it's just so interesting to see how God was working. And I just didn't know it at the time. And so um, when I was probably eight or nine, I remember just having this just heavy weight on my heart for children without families. And I don't know if it's because I, you know, subconsciously realized that at a young age that I just had an incredible family and I couldn't imagine. But I just feel like the Lord sort of sowed that in my heart before I was born. And so around that age, I, I asked my mom if I could, um, you know, sponsor a child in another country. And like, you know, I had seen it on TV or something. I'm like, I want to do that. And believe it or not, I was babysitting at the age of nine, oldest. I'm the oldest, you know, firstborn, so very typical. Um, and so I actually had money to do it. And so I don't say that to say like, whoa, look at me. It's just, it's always been such an important part of my life. Hmm. And so I I knew, as you mentioned, becoming a journalist was something I knew I wanted to do when I was you know, as early as high school. I'm like, this is this is the road that, that I'm going to go on. And I think, and I did go on that road and it was a crazy wild ride. Um, but through that time, I was always connected with organizations that had to do with children that were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I was a journalist and 
moved around a bunch and it was just a little bit of a, I mean, I look at t- television news now. I'm like, Oh, Oh my, I have such respect for, for journalists, but man, it's, it's, it, it's, it was a really difficult job and I learned a lot. Um, and I certainly had seasons, I would say in college, um, where, you know, I strayed from the Lord. Um, but man, in those dark moments, like he was always there. Um, so, you know, our relationship, my walk with the Lord has definitely ebb, ebbed and flowed for sure. Um, and, and there's been a couple of pivotal points that have been really faith building for me. Uh, but yeah, I was a journalist for eight years and then um, met my husband in Charlotte, North Carolina and decided to um, get out of that crazy business. And we wanted to start a family and I began working um, with a nonprofit that did computer labs and they started off doing computer labs and orphanages around the world. And so I was able to come alongside them for a long time and still involved with that organization. So that was really cup filling for me, um, for sure. Yeah. When you decide to step away from journalism, do you feel like, was it hard to turn away from something, you know, you had worked so hard in and made such progress in and, you know, won awards in. I I feel like there's someone out there who's kind of in a transition like that of maybe walking away from what they've known for their whole life and worked so hard in, and they feel like God's pulling them in another direction, and yet that's not always easy. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh my gosh. I like, I'm going back there in my mind. It was so difficult, I think, because journalism is just a, it's, it's unique working conditions. It's really hard to work your way up. It's brutal. It's a, it's just a hard, hard industry. And it was really hard to walk away because I'm like, man, I've worked so hard to get here. This has not been an easy ride. And it's not like I was working at the Today Show, right? Like I wasn't at the top yet or anything, but there was still more to, more to, you know, there was still higher to climb for sure. Um, but it was, it took me about a, almost a year and a half, two years to make that decision. Mm. And the truth is I was, I was miserable. I didn't want to live this life anymore. I didn't want to, you know, knock on a family's home to ask them how it feels that their child was just murdered. Like I didn't yeah. want to be that person anymore. Um, you know, there's a time and a place for those sorts of things, not maybe necessarily that, but I just, it was taking a toll on my soul and I just could not do it anymore. Um, and so I think there was a couple of, of stories that I had to cover there at the end that helped me make that decision, but it was really hard to make that decision. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so in our human nature to want to stick with the miserable known instead of letting go into the unknown. 100%. Like, is that, does that make sense as I'm processing that? It's like, yeah. you were miserable in in a sense, but you, you knew what to expect and it mm-hmm. was still comfortable, even if it wasn't like fulfilling who you were created to be and all these longings that God had placed in your heart. But it can be so hard to let go of it for the unknown and I know there are people listening out there who are in that right now. And I just want to encourage somebody, like, let go of it. Like, it feels so scary. But man, you, 
you could never imagine what could be on the other side. I mean, if you would have told me then what I would be doing now, I, 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 there's, I wouldn't have even, I, I didn't even dream of it. Yeah. I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, that letting go can be so hard. Yeah. So what are you doing now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so very long, long story short, I, um, when my husband and I got married, I, I sort of always knew we wanted to adopt and, or I wanted to adopt. And he's like, sure, sounds good. <laughs> and so we had two biological children. And when our kids were about four and six, I was like, okay, now's the time, you know, our youngest is getting ready to go to kindergarten. Now's the time to, um, you know, go down this road. And because of my work with this other organization, um, the name of that organization is Retail ROI. Because of my work with that organization, I was pretty well connected to experts in the adoption world and people that resources and things like that. And through a lot of, um, I would say only God moments that we don't have time on this podcast to go through. Um, we decided to go down the foster parent route. Didn't know anyone that had done it. Googled, you know, the County I lived in, you know, foster care orientation. We went through the process um, of becoming licensed foster parents. Um, and for anybody that knows anything about foster care, it's all about reunification, meaning it's all about healing and restoring families. And as a foster parent, you get to be a part of that. You play a role in that. And so I really felt like that is where um, God was calling us. I mean, talk about like God sends people, puts people in your path. Um, that happened. It was so clear that, oh my gosh, this foster care thing that I didn't even ever, it was never even on my radar. I mean, at one point within the span of seven days, when we started to think about it, there were three strangers that I had never met that literally randomly in conversation would bring up foster care. I mean, by the third person who said it, I just was like tearing up and it was like at a parent you know, it was like a student parent meeting conference PTA thing. This woman probably thought I was nuts, but I was like tearing up as she's just like talking about, said something about foster care. I'm like, this is so crazy. I've never talked about foster care. And now that we're kind of having this decision and praying about it, three people within seven days that I don't know have talked to me about foster care. So it definitely felt like, okay, God, we're just going to walk into this and, um, we were went on a bit of a roller coaster when we became foster parents with um, our, our our foster son, and through that experience and um, a lot of life was lived, a lot of grieving, a lot of just celebrating. Um, happy to kind of go into that story, but uh, through there, I was connected to an organization called Congregations for Kids, and they were looking for a new executive director. And it was sort of my skill and my passion that were intersecting. And I did not want this job. <laughs> I was happy doing what I was doing. Um, but, but man, what an honor that um, I was offered that job. And so I've been there for the past six years. And what we do at CFK, Congregations for Kids, we, we're known as CFK. What we do is we work to create champions for children, families, and social workers connected to the child welfare system. Um, and we do that through four specific pathways foster, mentor, serve, give. So I can kind of go into all of that, but that's just real high level of, of how I ended up what I'm doing today. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, when we let go and give God our yes, he always surprises us. Like, oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
I get to hear these stories like week after week and it just blows my mind every time. So as you've been on this journey, what have you learned about the heart of the Lord through Mm. foster care? Um, mm. such a great question. I don't know <laughs> why you. it makes me teary eyed to think <sighs> about that. Um, when we had our foster son, um, it was a unique situation in that he, um, his, he was not going to be reunited with family. And so we got him at three months and we were set to adopt him. And, um, through a, a lot of a lot of details, um, family then came forward that didn't know he was in care, kind of at the eleventh hour, and mm-hmm. he ended up going with them, um, which was such a celebration that his story didn't have to be my family didn't come for me, um, but it was a really um, in, incredible loss for our family, and uh, I went through a grieving process as did everybody in my family. Um, but the third night after he left, um, I was grieving differently than my husband. I was seeing a counselor and the counselor said, you have to get this out. And so I'd kind of go through the day with my family and make sure everybody, you know, do all the things you do as a mom and a wife and, you know, a, a, a worker and all of that, an employee. And at night I would stay up late and I would just write and I would cry. And, you know, my husband was grieving differently. He didn't really want to talk about it. And so I remember the third night after Robbie left, I was crying and trying to write things and just get it out. And people have said before, like, oh, I heard from God. And I always wondered, like, are they hearing an audible voice? Like, what does that mean? And I think it means different things for different people, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure you've heard lots of different stories. And for me, and I don't really share this to a lot of people because, but I feel like this is a safe space because it does sound like, you know, some people could be skeptical, but I was, I had my head down on my laptop on this very laptop I'm on right now. And I was crying and just praying. And I really feel like I heard God's voice. And what he said was, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And it was never about us. It was never about us. It was about this, this boy And I think that is, to me, that's the heart of our father. You know, it, this isn't about things being comfortable and being perfect. And, you know, like I, I, I loathe the do whatever makes you happy. This mentality of like the younger generations. I'm like, if I did whatever made me happy, I'd be on a beach in like the Bahamas with a drink in my hand. Like that's not going to be productive. You can't do that every day. Um, So I I just, I feel like that to me was just, that was a a pivotal moment in my faith and an extremely faith building moment. And somebody could probably say, gosh, that seems so harsh and hurtful. It wasn't, it gave me such peace to remember that, He created me um, and he gave me the strength and knew I had it to be able to grieve this. Yes, it was sad, but man, what an incredible honor we had to be a part of this little boy's life. All the fun milestones in that first year that we had the honor of witnessing and being a part of, Um, you know. And did my human self, was I still grieving? Absolutely. But in my heart, I had such peace. 
And it's a hard, you know, those two things were both true. Yeah. Well, and there's so much freedom in that idea too, that it's not about me. Like God's plan Mm -hmm. doesn't hinge on me. He's so much bigger than that. And it's such an honor to be a part of his story and that he uses us. But there's freedom in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that, I mean, that is sort of kind of how I move forward. You know, like we could, we could have been really burned by that. And we Mm -hmm. felt burned for a while, for sure. Never did I think I'd be working in an organization that, that was in this space doing this sort of thing and advocating for people in the system and and all of that. Um, But I feel like, you know, God gave us an experience um, and, and man, he didn't have to redeem it this quickly. He didn't have to redeem it on this side of heaven and how I just feel honored. And yes, many days are hard and it's heavy work. I always say like, invite me to a party. And when someone asks what I do, like I'm going to bring the whole vibe down because it is just, you know, it's hard. It's really sad. You're talking about the most vulnerable children of our cities. Um, But I have to remind myself and I remind my team too, like, man, we get to do this work. Like this Mm -hmm. is an honor. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So what maybe encouragement might you have for somebody who's listening, who is in, like who has foster children or who is maybe in the adoption mm-hmm. process and is just struggling, mm. um, and questioning like, God, what am I doing? Was this the right thing? Um, I, I feel like you can yeah, maybe relate to that. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought for sure, oh, we wanted to adopt. And then when we, we went down this foster road and God, we were obedient. And now it's a miracle. You've given us a child that doesn't have a family that needs to be reunited with. He's going to be ours. Like, man, isn't this a cute little story that God just, you know, put out there. And I really believed that at the beginning. I'm like, we were faithful and he provided. And yeah that is not how things went um, because his story was so much bigger than that. It was, it was so much bigger than that. And did it, did we go through some valleys to get there? Absolutely. Some really deep valleys to get there. Um, And so what you, you know, I think what is, what I've struggled with through the years is like, is this my want? Is this my voice or is this God's voice? Is this Mm -hmm. God's will for me or is this my own will for me? And I, and I, I mean, I think we all probably struggle with that until, you know, the day we we are no longer here um but i think being open to gosh i had my heart set on this and i really feel like i was being faithful and this is what the lord was calling me to do and when when a pivot happens to go to him and to trust that man there's a bigger there's a bigger play going on here that i just don't know about yet and that's so hard i mean gosh that sounds so much easier said than done. And I know, trust me, I know, but I also know what I've seen on the other side of some really hard things. Like, gosh, I didn't even fathom that's where this was going. Mm, (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I don't know if that's so much of an encouragement. What I will tell you is people that are foster parents are the hands and feet of God. Hands down. It is the most selfless thing that you can do in this life on this earth. It is, Oh, so, so hard. So, so hard. And I will say we are not current foster parents. We're actually in the process of 
becoming licensed again because we live in a in a different state now. But um, but yeah, it's you know I just I I would love to give just a virtual hug to anyone out there doing this work because you know it's we see you we love you and God sees you and um, these kids need you you know for yeah. if it's for a month for a day for for forever they need us. Mm. Yes. Man, that makes me want to just get out and be a foster parent. I'm not ready well, yet. And, I live well, in 650 and, square feet. <laughs> okay. And let me say, there is so much that you can do aside from being a foster parent to support Ooh, yes, these kids in care. So, so I always feel like that's one of the myths that I have to bust right away. Like people just think, oh, foster kids. Yeah, I can't be a foster parent, but that's cool. Somebody else can do it. Uh, there's so many other things that we can do, whether it's um, supporting a foster family in terms of like bringing them a meal, praying for them, helping them with childcare, um, uplifting a child welfare social worker because their job is so hard. They are frontline workers, just like police officers and firefighters, mm-hmm. um, mentoring a child that's in foster care because when they age out and they have no one, the statistics they face, what oh. they're up against is unfathomable. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, immediate tangible needs for these kids and these families that are vulnerable that may just need that one thing to help stabilize their family. So there's lots of different ways to get involved all over this country, not just here in Charlotte, but everywhere. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm assuming resources for all of that are maybe on the CFK website. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so in the greater Charlotte area, um, that, that's where we serve. It's cfknc.org, so Congregations for Kids NC, North Carolina.org, cfknc.org. Um, and yeah, it's all on there, um, ways to get involved. And, you know, it's I, what I always say to people is if you just learn more, um, you become an advocate. And that in and of itself is what we need. So it's yeah. not even, you know, oh gosh, I feel pressure to do this or do that if I go to an info session or if I volunteer somewhere. You just learn more and you become an advocate and, and then you tell your friends and your community and, and your your people. Um, yeah. And that's just how we start to change the change the perspective of what foster care is because, man, there's so many myths around that, which if I can just plug, um, we, I just started a foster care podcast. It's called Foster That. And it's a podcast. Yeah. So it's a podcast. Every episode is 10 minutes or less. And it takes one myth of foster care and it just kind of busts that myth in every, every episode. So just again, hoping to create advocates and to just kind of um, help people understand better what it is that we're actually talking about. Yes, that's amazing. I'll put a link in the show notes to the website and also to your podcast. Um, And I'll give it a listen. That is so great. How long have you been doing that for? Um, we just launched it at the beginning of this year. So there are officially, I think, two episodes. Third one's coming out next week. So congratulations. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I it's love so funny that. because, you know, I was on TV for eight years, but speaking to a mic, not in front of everyone, anyone is actually harder. I can't, I haven't found my footing yet, but I just know the information needs to be out there. So that's one of those things that like God's been pushing me to do, I feel like. And I'm like, I really yeah. don't want to do this, but okay, I'm going to lean in and just put it out yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, you just got to say yes, and then he'll make it yeah. happen from there. Yeah. Um, I love it. So um, 
kind of shifting gears a little bit, but it's all related. Um, you know, our, the tagline on our show is collecting stories that remind people of who God is and who we are in Him. Mm-hmm. So as you have seen God work and move in such powerful ways in your life, what have you learned about who you are as a child of God and like being mm-hmm. adopted into His family? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, I feel you know, one of the things that I continue to sort of struggle with, but I feel like he's really trying to impress upon my heart here just recently in this last season is, um, and I don't know if it's like my generation or whatever, but that, you know, you have to work, you, you work hard and your work is your worth. And I think God has taken away some things recently to show me that that is not your worth. Yeah. You like you are, loved and cherished um, without any of this. This is not your identity. Um, And I think sometimes that can get muddy when you're working in ministry, when you're working in this space, you, you know, it's, it just can be kind of tricky sometimes. Um, And so I, I think he's been really working on my heart to show me that I am loved and valued minus all of the things all of the things, just me being here. Um, he, he is, is, I am his child and I am loved and cherished just like I cherish my own children. Mm. Um, and without all the other things, I don't have to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you remain rooted in that? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out now. Yeah. Like, how do I really have these daily reminders of that. And I mean, just, you know, practically speaking for me, it's starting my morning. I have to start it um, in the word in some form or fashion to just, you know, your day could go, you know, spiral. But for me, that's what centers me and what works for me. Um, And being around others that can remind you of that. Um, and that can oppress, impress that upon you. And, you know, I'm not, it is certainly not above me to say like, what are you doing in your life to remain in a, in a, you know, because I think when I say like doing this ministry work, running a nonprofit, it can get money because sometimes you can make that the replacement for God or for your time with God. Like, Oh, I'm doing this work. I'm trying to be a light in this space. And then, there's a miss. And and I think for a season, there's been a miss for me. Like, oh, wait, no, this, I have to be centered in the word. And my personal relationship with God can't be my work relationship with God. Like that has to be strong and I have to be centered in that. So I'm constantly trying to, you know, as a busy working mom, trying to um, make sure that's a priority because I know when it is a priority, all everything else falls into perspective in the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I let sort of the hamster wheel take over, like, oh, my to-do list, I got to do this, this, and this. And this is for kids in our city. So this definitely is like, God would approve of this. Yeah. <laughs> and not that he doesn't, but just trying to make sure my priorities are in line. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's a, it's a, it's a daily thing for me of just yeah. trying to make sure that I'm uh, focused on what's most important. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done, but so, mm-hmm. so vital. Yeah. To yeah. Tell me what your Lord. other like interviewees have said. You need to like 
come up with like a, a, a short list for us, Jess. I know. Like, it needs to be like a tab on the blog of like, do this, this, and this. But then it becomes about works. Then you're checking yeah. the boxes again. You know, it's so, everyone answers so differently and it's so personal to whatever season God has you in. You know, mm-hmm. some people, I remember one person I asked that question and she said, you know what? Being rooted right now means I'm not doing daily devotions because for me that became a legalistic. A check. If yeah. I don't do it, then I'm not enough. And then I failed. She's like, so I had to just stop doing it, mm. it for a season. You know, so it's yeah. like it's so different. And I love that about the Lord that He's so personal to meet mm-hmm. us right where we are. And yeah, being rooted for me means that I'm not finding my worth in being needed by others. Because um, yeah. that is yep. really difficult for me. And so sometimes being true to who God called me to be means I say no to things that it yeah. makes me really uncomfortable to do. But I know that that's not what God has for me, even if I'm going to upset somebody and then I feel like I've lost my value because... I'm not worthy of love if I'm not needed. (laughs) Everything you just said, check, check, check. Yes, I feel that on a very, very deep level. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I completely empathize with that. Yeah. I want to circle back. In the beginning, you mentioned a few kind of comments of like, you know, and then we had some only God stories, but, you know, but we don't have time for that. I was wondering if we might have time for one of those stories, like a story in your life of when God did something that just blew your mind that only He could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I have several of those, but the one that comes to mind um, is when I, um, I'm trying to summarize this in the easiest way that I can. So CFK had been around for quite some time, but they were really becoming their own nonprofit. It was kind of a group that was managed um, by another nonprofit. And so when I stepped on board, they were becoming their own nonprofit. And um, kind of a little look behind the curtain, they did not have many resources. I did not understand that when I was hired. Um, Not that anybody lied to me, but I didn't quite understand how beginning phase this was. And so when I got there the first week and I'm, you know, going through the books and all the things I realized, oh, this is not what I signed up for necessarily. Um, But I just, I can't explain to you how I felt like the Lord was just like this to me, the human part of Nicole is saying, this does not make sense. Like peace. I'm out of here. Didn't sign up for this. Don't need this. Didn't, wasn't looking for this, but I felt like the Lord was like head down. You know what you're doing. I've given you all these experiences before. Mm. Like you can do this. And often people like to attribute like the, the growth and the resources we've been able to, um, steward um, the impact that we've had. They like to say, you know, they like to give me the credit. And I say to my husband all the time, I'm like, man, if someone does not believe in in Jesus, I need to tell them about the story of CFK because there's no way that any of this could have happened with just like, yeah, I work hard, but I mean, I am not a miracle 
maker here. Yeah. And there was just miracles that happened where really this organization should have closed its doors so many times. And, you know, by just putting my head down and really trying to walk this very, very scary walk of faith, it was scary for me. Um, man, the Lord showed up every single time and six years later continues to do so. Wow. It's just unbelievable, whether it's people whether it's funding, whether it's prayers, whether it's people saying to me, um, you know, pouring into me in ways I didn't even know that I needed. Um, it has just been such an only God journey. I, I, I really wish that I have, would have this whole time been writing down all these little things. And I have a dear friend who's always like, did you write that down? You need to write it down. I'm like, no, I'll remember. And I'm like, oh, there's just so many ways that, um, even when things seem hard and when the rest of the world would tell you to turn, um, I can't explain it. There was just something inside like, nope, I've got you and we're going to do this. And, and man, every single time, and it doesn't mean it was easy. It was really, really hard. Yeah, It was really, do you see these, all these wrinkles? (laughs) (laughs) No, It was really, really hard and it continues to be hard. But, um, but what, and when you have those only God moments and when you have multiple of the, I feel like the more you have, the more you see, mm. like, and, and it builds your faith and you're like, okay, yes, this next season's going to be hard for X, Y, Z, or I could feel we're going into a valley, but I am even that more confident. Am I scared? Yes. Do I want to have wisdom? Am I nervous? All of those things. Yes. Do I have anxiety? Yes. But there is this underlying peace and confidence because of what I have seen him do that is hard to describe. Yes. So in that sense, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, you are speaking to someone very specific right now, I think, who is (laughs) in that of like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. This is too hard. And God is gonna show up for them. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it because I Whoever you are out there, God's gonna show up. And listen, I'm the one that like, believes, believed, believed, I will say that like, I'm not worthy of him showing up for me. Like, who am I? Yeah. I'm just this person out here, you know, and if it happened for me, you know, it's just, it's just the goodness and the grace and the grace upon grace and upon grace of our father that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So as we close one final question, Mm-hmm. What did I miss? What would you like to leave us with today? Maybe another story, a word of encouragement, just mm-hmm. a, a final thought that maybe the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart. Mm, I think, um, you know, one of the things that kind of our our family sort of mantra and what I always say to my kids is like, we just, we are here to be a light to others not to judge them, not to um, condemn them, uh, not even to beat them over the head with the Bible. Like that is not what we are here. We are here to be a light for someone to say, what is different about them? Like, well, I want more of that, whatever that is. I mean, that's what I hope and pray to be and fail at it, you know, every single day. Um, but I think one of the things that God has shown me and that as I've, you know, we impressed that upon our children. I have two middle schoolers. So it's like, please just be a light. I just need you to be a good human. Um, is 
even if that's not reciprocated, whether it's caring for someone or, you know, whatever that looks like, like that is, we don't need that reciprocation. Just like I don't need to work for my worth in the Lord's eyes. Do you know what I mean? And so I think that's hard sometimes where, I mean, if we're being honest, we're kind of like looking for a thank you or we're looking for like, wow, you're amazing. You know, we don't need that. If we're, if we're, if we're trying to really reflect the love of Jesus, that is not even in the equation. And so it's, I'm not here preaching that it's, it's what I have just learned in coming out of a couple of difficult situations. And like, I was true to who I think I'm called to be. And that's got to be enough. Yeah. This other stuff doesn't matter. And I think that's, you know, it's human nature is hard, man. Human nature <laughs> is hard. <laughs> like being a human can be really hard and complicated and lots of feelings, but we're, you know, we're not our feelings. So <laughs> yes. Amen. I think that's the perfect note to end on. (laughs) Nicole, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you, Jess. This was an honor. I really appreciate it. I loved that conversation with Nicole. Um, And as she was speaking, and even as I was kind of preparing and praying about the interview, God brought something to mind that happened to me earlier this week. And I was like, ooh, okay, I need to remember to share this in the outro. So I have been praying a lot just about finances. Um, You know, I'm back in my condo after the flood. If you're watching us on the YouTube channel, you can see my living room. Um, If you're not watching the YouTube, check it out. We do post videos usually of every episode. Um, So a little plug for that. But I've been you know, now that I'm back in my condo, I'm not spending like crazy on the extra living costs and all of that. Um, But I'm trying to rebuild my savings, but I've just had some unexpected expenses again. And I just feel like I can't get back to where I was. And so I'm just praying that God would provide. And, you know, He always does and He continues to. Well, I've been praying this, you know, pretty much all month, pretty consistently. And I get an email from my mortgage lender, you know, with the like yearly escrow account update, whatever. And I had a massive overage in my escrow account, which was very exciting to see. Um, But I, you know, so I go online, I'm looking at the document and I see that the check was sent like two weeks prior to when I'm getting this email. So like, wait a second, I should have this money. Like if this check was sent, is it lost in the mail? Where is it? So I'm going through a stack of mail that I just hadn't opened. And there it is. It's been sitting there for over a week. The thing I had been praying for and waiting on God for was already there. I just hadn't bothered to open my mail because I thought this letter was about something else from my lender. Um, that wasn't as urgent. And when I saw that the check had been there for almost a week already, I felt like there was something there in this idea of you got to open your mail. Obviously, I'm speaking in an analogy here, like whatever your mail is, (laughs) maybe mine was very literal. Um, But I felt like maybe this speaks to someone out there of the thing you're praying for is actually already right in front of you. You're just missing it. Um, So whatever this means for you today, open your mail. (laughs) 
I, I don't know. That's all I have. I thought, as I was praying about this episode, I was like, somebody out there needs to know they need to go open their mail. Maybe it's literal. Maybe this is an analogy, but we're just going to run with it. So that is my message I'm leaving you with today. Open your mail and see what God is going to do and what He has already done. The thing you're praying for, it's done. So just walk in it. Open it. Oh, there you go. Um, so I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.